How's it going, Orange County? It's uh, it's it's your host, Dylan, not Ray. Um, Ray's got coronavirus or uh, the common cold or maybe the flu. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I am very nervous, and um, yeah, this is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. fans and supporters follow us on twitter at ocsc underscore soccer cast or on facebook at orange and black soccer cast all right so ray would probably love for me to say that he doesn't actually have coronavirus but it is dylan I uh, hope everyone's having a lovely Tuesday e- evening if you're listening to us live, and if not, and it's Wednesday, or it's Thursday, or it's Friday, well, I hope you're having a lovely day anyway. Uh, we'll jump right over and talk to our favorite guest from just south of the Orange County border, Alan. How's it going? It is going great. It's a rainy day, but uh, there's no bad day to talk about some soccer. I agree. How how rainy was it down in San Diego today? I know it started raining down there before it rained up here. It was a little off and on. Um, when I was in Temecula, it definitely had some interesting moments of kids running into my room who weren't my students, but they wanted to be in my room because it was raining. And then like five minutes later, it was sunshine again. So it was kind of one of those uh, hit and miss days. And by the time I got home, it was relatively dry. A minor minor benefits. What what are we drinking tonight? Uh, we are drinking the Carl Strauss Mosaic Session IPA. It is uh, the IPA that got me into IPAs. Uh, it's a pretty light beer as far as alcohol, 5.5, and mosaic hops. Beautiful kind of floral notes, if you will. Um, a little bit, um, it's just really tasty. It's not super uh, crazy hoppy, a little citrus, a little tropical fruit. It is enjoyable. Carl Strauss. I love it. I love it. This is, this might become a beer podcast. I just realized I was gonna I was gonna play everyone and talk as if this was the beginning of a literature podcast when I did my little intro, but instead I got really nervous as as everyone may have noticed. Um, I'm having a, a Hibusa Lager from Beechwood because it's not an IPA and it's not bitter and that's all we could hope for. And this is a quick reminder that the uh, the Orange Black Soccer Cast is a part of the Beautiful Game Network. Uh, Alan, do you have anything to add to that? Because I feel like there's something I'm forgetting. Yeah, the uh, much like every BGN podcast, uh, this one is also brought to you by uh, Roughneck Scarves, and um, we'll do some ad copy at the very end um, that usually gets dropped in. But we're gonna do some reading because that's what we're all about here at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Yes, this is a reading podcast, so uh, you can expect some reading, if not loads. All right. Um... What what are we what are we here to talk about? Well, Orange County opened their game Friday night. It was the uh, the first game of the year for the USL. 
for Orange County. Uh, Nil-nil draw with El Paso. Allen, go ahead and go ahead and give me your thoughts. Watching watching this one from the press box. Um, well, the two matches that took place simultaneously, this one was the more exciting one, even though the other one had more goals. Um, it was kind of an interesting setup. I was not expecting him to go with uh, a 4-4-2, but I think based on the people that they had available to them and kind of the lacking a couple of the key offensive players, uh, I think it was the right choice. Um, and I thought for a large portion of the match, it was like maybe 20 minutes in each half or so, uh, where El Paso might have had a you know a little bit of good play. I thought Orange County looked the better team, and um, we're just kind of lacking a little bit of luck in the final third at times. And they kind of just ran into a really hot and probably one of the best goalkeepers in the USL, in Logan Ketter. Um, sometimes you got to tip your hat to a goalkeeper who literally almost <clears throat> stood on his head to make some of those saves. It seemed like, um, but I thought a very positive night for Orange County against a, a, a tough El Paso team who can play very defensively and sometimes um you don't get that lucky bounce uh, that beats a really hot goaltender or goalkeeper not tender that's hockey goalkeeper uh so that's kind of my overall vibe of the game how is it over there in county line coalition you know it was a, it was a good time I, I had a couple dollar beers i think everyone else had a couple dollar beers and maybe those people who had a little bit more sorry a little bit more money i've had apparently too many dollar beers tonight um Probably enjoyed their full price beers, but I don't think I can complain. Um, if you're curious about stats for this game, Orange County 11 shots, 5 on target. El Paso with 7 shots, 3 on target. Other than that, I mean, El Paso racked up 2 cards. It's kind of surprising that we didn't rack up any, um, but not not a lot of fouls, not not too heavy of fouls. Um, and then, uh, you know, Cami Palmer was the one uh, sub uh, who came off for Edson Alvarado. Yeah, it did get a little chippy there, which is a little weird why there weren't more cards for as as, as chippy as the game got. It seemed like, um, you know, people were able to, you know, exert their frustrations in uh, not a manner in which um, made them get booked. Um, but, yeah, only a few yellow cards. But I do remember uh, the first half um, getting a little bit physical and... Um, there was um, a few exchanges of of how do you do's, if you will, um, as the as fair. the hip kids say these days. Yeah, that's that's what they were saying. Yes, they're saying hello, sir. Welcome to the opening match. Uh, no, I thought it was um, I thought it was a there was some pretty hard physical play, but I it, none of it ever seemed like dirty or malicious. Um, it was it just got a little chippy, as it will in a nil nil. Uh, game against uh, between two uh, really solid USL sides. Um, it's going to be uh, physical. Well, I've I've got, I've got nothing to add there. Really, I think you covered it all. Um, oh man. Well, I know that no one scored, including right? your favorite uh, and um, owner of the best roast of the Orange Black Soccer Cast, Aiden Quinn. But who was your yeah. man of the match for this match? Ooh, um, from Orange County, I have to. I, I would have to give the nod to Aaron Cervantes. I think he looked really, really good. Um, there was like a buzz around the game from both keepers, um, and they're both spoken very highly of. So Aaron Cervantes in the same kind of stratosphere, if you will, as Logan Ketterer. Um, as far as like keeper ratings this weekend, um, I think it was kind of like one and two or one and three uh, between the two keepers. So uh, Aaron Cervantes. 
I definitely kept Orange County um, uh, holding that clean sheet, which is really important for the first match, especially in the 22nd minute. L- uh, Lomas puts a curler to the top corner that when he kicked it, I'm like, oh, man, is that going in? Because those usually find that top corner. But Aaron Cervantes used all of that, um, all of his length of his body uh, to come up and make that beautiful save on that curling shot. I was surprised that neither of them uh, were up for save of the week. Um, I definitely think they deserve it, but I got to go with uh, Mr. Aaron Cervantes. What about you, Dylan? If I'm going to be the voice of dissenting opinion, I I have to give it to Seth Kasipley. Um yeah. He told us all preseason that his work rate was going to be the noticeable part of his of his game, and that was true. He was everywhere, and he was constantly working. Reminds me a lot of how Christian Duke played last year and in 2018. Mm. As we all know, I'm a sucker for a dude who just constantly runs. Uh, I thought he was... I mean, that that speaks to the quality of, of Ketterer to where right. Seth has a chance on an open goal and at an awkward angle. Um, puts it on frame and Ketterer still somehow gets there to make the second save. You yeah, he put a couple... Right. He put a couple up against Edna Voltson on literally on the doorstep twice. Um, and, you know, nine times out of ten, one of those goes in and you walk away with a, a pretty hard-fought 1-0. Uh, but for him to, you know, I was live tweeting for BGN match day and it was like, it felt like every third tweet was great build up play, great ball. Shot on, on goal, but Ketterer is up for it. And it was just like over and over and over again. Uh, it seemed like um, Logan Ketterer was, was getting his hand on really tough shots. Um, I do think the midfield played really, really well. Um, you know, uh, Quinn, obviously, uh, it was nice to see Palmer out there. I thought he, he played well in his first match. Uh, I do agree. Seth Kasipley looked great. And, um, and Danny Chrysostomo, uh, looked like he has improved quite a bit. Um, and maybe it's, uh, the people he played around with was able to put him in an area of strength maybe. Uh, but he looked, I was, I remember distinctly thinking, man, several times, man, he looks just so much more confident and and just a better player. And it's good to see that because that was kind of one of the question marks going into the season is where is Danny going to be and, you know, how much can he improve from last year to this year? And it seems like uh, the coaching staff has got him pointed in the right direction. I have to agree with that. Um, if you didn't somehow catch this game and you're listening to this podcast – don't know how you've managed that, but uh, congratulations anyway, and I guess thanks for listening. But um, we did see Danny play a lot more of advanced role than he ever did last season. Uh, last season, it was kind of a a weird kind of fit in for uh, Christian Duke while Christian was out injured. Uh, when he was in college at UCI, he played a lot further forward, uh, attacking midfield role. That's what we saw him do here. Again, the build-up play, just lacking that. Not even that final pass. I think last last year we could have said a lot of the times the final pass was missing, and I think this time it was Logan Ketterer was having one of the games of the season, uh, one of the games of his life, and was stopping everything that was thrown at him, um, or it was just a little bit off target, and, and we were unlucky. But So I, I think moving forward, Brandon Cloutier has got a lot of work cut out in his midfield, trying to pick between Forrester and Kasipley, Um Chrysostomo, Quinn, Palmer, 
I've got to be missing people. Alvarado. There's got to be more. I mean, we loved carry a lot of midfield depth, and I I, yeah. I feel a little bit bad for him. Um, we all have a we've got a group of really good midfield players this year, and and some quality attackers as well. Not to discount them. Yeah, that was one thing that uh, Brendan Cloutier spoke about. He's like, hey, that was a really solid game. Oh, and by the way, Harry Forrester's not in the lineup because of uh, suspension, and you know DJ's not in the lineup. wasn't in the lineup either because kind of a of a freak injury. So, I mean, it's one of those, you have 11 spots for, you know, 14, 15, 16 starters. Uh, it's a good problem to have, and you're going to need them over the course of, you know, 34 plus games, depending on how far the team goes in the Open Cup. Uh, so you're going to see some rotation uh, with some of these players, and it's going to be probably who is training the best and who's kind of the hot hand at the time that they're going to roll with. But, I mean, you throw, you know, where do you throw Danny in there? Um, or sorry, not Danny. Where do you throw DJ in there? And then how does that affect the rest of your midfield? If you have now <clears throat> Edivolts and Nicoli and DJ, um, you're going to have to move one of those midfielders off anyway. And now you're down to three spots for, you know, five, six really quality midfielders. Uh, it's a good problem to have, but it's also, you know, guys want their minutes. So you got to manage those egos too. Yeah, I mean, we had that with Charlie Adams, who I'm sure you are now very well accustomed to down in San Diego uh, a bit last mm-hmm. year. Um, again, I mean, obviously I'm not paid like Braden Cloutier is to make those decisions, but at the same <laughs> time, thank God, I do not want to be trying to deal with all of that. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about from this match? Um, I, I, I know Cloutier also talked about only using one sub, uh, and I know that was something I think on the Facebook uh, group that they were kind of talking about, uh, and I think it's some of it. Some of it's limited by the substitutes he had. Were a little bit. If you looked at those names, they were kind of midfielders and defensive role, and not a lot of attacking options. So even if you wanted some fresh legs up top, you didn't really have a whole lot to choose from. Um, and I think it just shows kind of the level of fitness uh, that the team has. And this early in the season, you know, you can roll with you know only playing 12 guys when you know you have a week off. Like, I think teams played two or three games, or not, two, yeah, two games between now and when Orange County plays again. So, you know, there's not a whole lot of reason why you can't ride those guys out to the end. It might have been nice to be able to get a, a switch in up top maybe, um, but, you know, you, you have a, a bye week your second week. Uh, so you, if things are going well and you think you can get a goal late, go for it. I mean, 82nd minute, Quinn puts Seth through and has a really good opportunity. 86th minute, Ugo uh, tries to get it to Seth and, you know, ends up getting uh, caught. So there was, a, I mean, even at the at the end when you think guys are going to start tailing off, like Quinn puts a really beautiful ball through to Kasipli, um and that just doesn't quite get a chance to put it in the back of the net. So. I think Orange County fans should be very positive about this. Uh, you would like to win, but you know, one thing that we learned last season was it's a long season, and you know, one draw isn't probably isn't going to make or break the way that Orange County played. I mean, you play that game ten times, you're probably going to win six um, or seven. I think you know you have a lot of positives, and you got to feel good walking off that pitch. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we were the better team for 70 minutes there, so you probably play the game s- 10 times and you probably win 7 or 8 of them, really. Um, yep. 
and we didn't concede, and that was an issue we had last year where we'd concede first, and even in 2018 where we'd concede in the first 15 minutes and then wake up and, and claw our way back into a match. Uh, it's a it's a really good thing when you've got a 17-year-old goalkeeper um, and a back line that is half new. Um, you know, Kevin Nelson and Michael Roscoe are the only two that were here last year, and they put up a clean sheet in the first match against a side that's pretty good. I know missing Omar Salgado through suspension, but still a very good team. Uh, they racked up almost 100 more passes than Orange County did during the game. I promise I'll shut up about stats because I'm probably the only person that cares. Um, how do you feel about Ugo's performance? I know he wasn't, he didn't score, obviously no one scored, but a much different play style to Michael Seaton, um, which I think might have been a, a big surprise to, to a lot of people. Um, I thought he had some flashes of nice uh, of nice play. Um, he almost gets a chip really early on. Um, there's a couple moments where he comes back. Um, there's some pretty good hold-up play even. Um, there was also some moments where he didn't quite look um, kind of key- keyed in with um, with Anna Voltsen. Um but there was also some moments like in the 20th minute minute where there was some good buildup between the two of them. So it was like, they're, I think they're kind of filling each other out and seeing where each of them are going to be. Um, I do think it's going to be a pretty dangerous pairing when they kind of figure out strengths and weaknesses of each other. Um, I, I think that it gives Edna Voltson the opportunity to kind of play off of him a little bit. And I think um, Ugo was trying to do some of the same things as well to kind of play off of Edna Voltson and send Edna Voltson in. Uh, so it's going to be really fun to see um, how those two kind of learn how to play with each other. Um, and then, you know, obviously with the midfield, you know, Quinn and Evolson had that moment that was like shades of 2018 um, where, you know, it was a like kind of this really nice ball in that Evolson kind of twists and puts on frame. Um, that's a really tough save for a keeper. Um, it's kind of like a one-time redeflection, a re, uh, deflection. And, you know, goalkeepers just got to react and hope they get some limb on it. And that's what happened. Um, so I know you were a little bit lower on him. Um, I thought there were some some mo- nice moments, but um, I think you're going to be, I think you were a little bit more critical of him, yeah? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, he was touted as a bit of a Michael Seaton replacement. Um, and when someone says that, I know I'm not the only person that has very, very high expectations for him right off the bat. But very different play styles. I assume they were looking for someone with the same play style, given that they like to play a pretty pretty similar system from year to year. Um, he's not really making as many runs as Mike did. Um, not doing the the defensive work high up the pitch that Mike did. So I wasn't I wasn't big fan of that per se. Um, but I think the the lack of production in front of the goal um, through the preseason and now is is partially not playing for a little bit um, after coming over from Austria and then, like you mentioned, kind of feeling out Thomas Anavoltsen and, and feeling out of what I would say is a non-standard formation for us to be playing. Um, no DJ definitely changes things. No Harry definitely changes things. I think you get DJ in there and, and you've got a lot of pace on that front line. And... Um, Ugo can can be a little bit less mobile and will still be okay. So I'm I'm hoping in the next few weeks, uh, you know, the next month or so, uh, Ugo finds some form and and uh, we get to see his strengths in in his style that he's 
kind of built for in the way that he plays. Yeah, for sure. I think there's, you know, the trope of, you know, 10 games in is when you start to really see how teams come together. And I know that's, you know, super easy to repeat and super easy to kind of fall back into, but uh, it's, it's, most teams are not going to be Phoenix and come out. Like if you look at the score lines from this past weekend, like Sacramento outplays Tulsa and it's a one, one draw. Um, you know, you get a uh, low dose who kind of are RGV who kind of outplays Los dose at times, but loses five to one. It, it's one of those, the first week is like almost like extended preseason a little bit where results, some of the results you can see kind of clearly what's going on, but other results it's like, well, I mean, they're going to figure some stuff out. They'll be fine. Like a one, one draw, a nil, nil draw is, you know, is not the end of the world, especially against a good, a good opponent. And really right now there are six teams that won six teams that drew and six teams that lost. Uh, so there's a lot of good teams that didn't win and or drew uh, or yeah, lost and or drew. Uh, so you mean you're tied for seventh right now after the first week, you're still fine. Um, and I think there's a lot of positivity going from the team. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people or a lot of the, the players and the coach is kind of talking about. And then as far as like the, the formation, um, I asked, <laughs> I asked Braden about that and he was like, well, we ran something similar at the very end of last season. And um, there might've been a, a little bit of that, but I think you are missing that kind of wing play a guy who can run down the side um, and draw and widen out the defense. I think you're missing a little bit of that. Um, Palmer did really well. I think Seth did really well as well, but there's nothing quite like DJ running down the, that, that wing, uh, be able to get to the byline and, and pass the ball across, you know, a, a low pass back, cut back into the box. Uh, and I think when you have that third element, uh, build up play through the middle, uh, and but you can stretch the defense wide up top. Uh, I, I think Orange County gets one more level of dangerous, and that's when you start to see that offense clicking. It, I mean, again, it's, it's a bit like having a conversation with a bearded, slightly older music teacher version of myself that lives in San Diego and drinks IPAs. Um, we saw Anna Volton doing that pacey run into the box and, and trying to do the cutback, and it's never really been his role to be right up on the end line and, and trying to cut it back. Uh, that's a lot more DJ's um, comfort level. And I, I really, really have to agree with you there. The second DJ's back, I think that pace is going to do a lot of damage to stretch out defenses and, and to get past and through defenses. And I think we'll start to see the goals. Um, they mentioned it was a freak injury, taking a ball to the eye in the preseason game against Las Vegas. Um, that it was just kind of a last-minute decision to leave him out. So I imagine in two weeks, we'll see him when we play your team, Alan, San Diego Loyal. So while we're here, I think we might as well look forward to it while both matches are fresh in our minds. They play on the 21st, 7 p.m. in Irvine. Yep. Um, I know that there's going to be some away fans making their way up. They're organizing a bus right now. Um, so it'll be a, a good opportunity to, for San Diego to have their first road trip to, uh, check out the local, um, I don't want to call them a rival yet, but the closest team in in state competition, um, it's going to be, it's going to be really fun. I think between the two teams, uh, pretty interesting playing styles. 
Uh, we'll have a little bit better idea of where Loyal is after the next two matches. They play twice before they go to Orange County. So they play tomorrow and Saturday. Um, so we'll have a better understanding. Some of the, I think they'll match up pretty interestingly. Uh, they usually run a 3-5-2. Uh, so when you have your the Orange County's pretty pretty strong midfield, will be I think will be a tough challenge. Um, and then kind of that pace up top is going to um, really challenge the back line of San Diego. Um, well, Las Vegas was shooting a lot from range, um, so it'll be kind of a different matchup. Uh, but, I, you know, one of the things I observed from Orange County is I think if um, Orange County wins the midfield battle, it's going to be a long night for the Loyal um, just based on how they play. Uh, but Loyal have shown that they're a pretty solid defensive game, uh, team. Um, now, Joe Greenspan went down with a, a leg injury um, about 30 minutes into the match. Uh, there's no update yet, and I'm not really expecting one. USL teams are not the most forthcoming with injury news. Um, but we'll have to see if he makes his way back. If he makes his way back, they're a completely different team in the middle. Uh, he's like 10 feet tall and clears balls away. Uh, on those crosses, it'll be a lot of dependent on that build-up play. Uh, but I think it's going to be a tough test for Loyal, and I think it's going to be um, a good one for Orange County to really uh, try to find their offensive groove uh, against a, a pretty unique formation in USL, although more and more teams are going to that three-back system with the wing-backs. Um, so it'll be a, a pretty interesting tactical matchup if you're into that stuff. Uh, but I think it'll be... Um, I think it'll be a fun match, both on the pitch and off the pitch. I know the guys around here and gals around here are looking are really looking forward to coming up, and it's a great venue um, to watch a game in, and I, th- I know they're excited about that. Um, there's a lot to be excited about down here coming up to Orange County, and then from the Orange County side, I think it's um, I think it's going to be a, a good test uh, because it will be kind of a little bit different setup because El Paso is pretty much mirroring Orange County. So it was kind of a pretty even battle tactically as well. It's like people were playing kind of man-to-man almost with that 4-4-2 diamond setup both teams were playing. Uh, so a different, little bit different setup will lead to, I think, a little bit more entertaining and fun-to-watch match. Yeah. Um, I know I'm making you do double duty here thinking about San Diego and Orange County. Uh, for those of you that didn't watch the match on Saturday, I can comfortably say that was probably one of the most boring matches I've ever seen. Um, I know you were having fun out there in the locals, um, as you are a local, but yeah, Vegas, uh, Vegas looked lost as per usual. Uh, they looked like they're a team that's probably not going to do well again. And, uh, after I have to really say Joe Greenspan is probably the man for San Diego after he went down, they didn't look much better than Vegas did. Um, yeah. Honestly, I think um, if Greenspan's out, this is an easy Orange County victory. And maybe it's a little bit more difficult uh, with Greenspan in. Yeah, it's not, I mean, Emmer Clemento came in, and he's not a bad defender. But there, there's no, I don't think there's anyone in the league that you can bring in that's replacing Joe Greenspan. Um, and I think there were some problems in the midfield. I thought Carlos Alvarez had a terrible game. Um, you get... A wonder goal from Junior Burgess or Burgos. Like, I think if they can hit like one or two of those a match, Vegas can be competitive. But they were really reliant on some of these like wonder goals um, to get that draw. 
Um, yeah, I think for Orange County, this is one that they, they should probably win. Um, and if it's a draw, it's probably because um, they just don't put a couple goals in when they should. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty tough match for Loyal. I know they're trying to get nine. They're trying to get nine points now. Trying to get seven points, and I think it's doable. Um, but I think Orange County is, you know, right now probably top five in the West for sure. Um, and you know, Loyal is kind of the outside of that for sure as well. Um, I think they looked a little tight, so maybe they play a little bit more loose over the next couple of matches and it might be a little bit more fun because they did take it to Reno um, and Reno had a look kind of rough against them as well. But um, yeah, I do think Orange County probably pulls out a victory and I'm sure um, between now and next podcast, when we kind of do like a match buildup, uh, we'll have a little bit better idea of what the loyal are. Yeah. I was just about to say, I think when next week we'll go through this again and with loyal having played three matches, we'll probably be pretty concrete idea of what they're going to do by the time they come up here yeah yeah let's move on um yeah power rankings poor rankings as i saw them referenced on twitter by a couple of different people who weren't so right. pleased with their options um <laughs> perhaps no surprise phoenix is up top after that 6-1 victory uh orange county started in what fourth i believe before the season and, and they dropped three spots to seventh following the draw of el paso I can't say I disagree with that. This this might be, I think John Arley moved on, so so maybe these are a little bit better now, less less bullish. As now, um, Nick, Nicholas Murray is doing them, probably with some friends. Probably with some friends. You're right. I can't. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Um, obviously the attack. I mean, we've said needs a little bit of work, but good God, that defense was was something to watch. Uh, where did where did your San Diego? Where where did they end up? you know um pretty 20, pretty 21st. pretty low yeah i think they were kind of they were 16th ended up 21st um that's pretty fair i think as well um i think until they prove themselves um they that's kind of where they're going to be is that you know middle to low middle of the pack but it's like you looking at the teams above them like los dos looked really 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 good on the counterattack against um RGV, so yeah, that makes sense. They drew Las Vegas. Um, they were 30th, and they moved up 11 to 19th. You know, road versus home. I think you got to give Vegas the bump. Um, Charleston Battery won. Uh, Birmingham didn't do anything. Uh, <laughs> they have the bye. Um, so it's like you start thinking about those teams above. Which is like you're not going to get above any of those teams. Uh, I think the most interesting one's Miami. Uh, they did not look great, and I know. Um, there's some there's an interview with Bob Lilly about why he doesn't think they're going to be that good, um, and there was a lot of overhype I think about Miami. I think they kind of pull it together. Um, some other interesting ones uh, I like that Charlotte won and then dropped two spots um, from twenty to twenty two. I think they're probably a little bit better than that. Former uh, former OC def- uh, goalkeeper Brandon Miller making some sort of landmark stat thing that I've completely forgotten now, so my apologies to him. <laughs> and then T2 being in last, um, yeah, they got shellacked, and I don't think they're as bad as that is, but um, they're they pretty rough. Yeah, if you um, concede six, I don't think you, you really deserve to be anywhere in the top 30. 
And I mean, if you look at the shot totals, like I think Phoenix had like 14 or something like that on, on frame. Uh, so their keeper kept it at least, I wouldn't say even respectable, just kept it from being even worse. Like that game could have been seven, eight, nine to one. Um, yeah, that was, that was a, a beat down. Tacoma Defiance actually looked pretty good in the first half, I would have to say. Poor Memphis 901 um, with the World Cup goalkeeper letting in four. Um, they're falling down. It. What's that? You love to see it. No, no more fourteen <sighs> saves. This isn't that match against Belgium, right? Um, yeah, Salt Lake uh, Real Monarchs SLC. Uh, maybe not as good as last year, but who knows? They can put it together, or they can get some more loans from their top team. I think they're missing that offensive power. St. Louis looked really good. Austin didn't look great. Um, I think that that win was more down to they got outplayed by New Mexico and they just happened to to get a little bit lucky and then get run over in the box and get a penalty to get that win because I think they draw in that game. Um, but, yeah, pretty solid power rankings. I can't be mad. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a long shot from last year, which was terrible, and I think we eventually just stopped giving them any attention because of how, I think, pissy we were every week doing it. Uh, obviously, we don't have a match this weekend, the 14th. Uh, or the 15th or next week or the midweek or tomorrow night so Alan given that we all yep. have a soccer addiction what match right. that is not a loyal match will you be watching this weekend Um, I think there's a couple ones that are kind of interesting if my USL app will pull up the, the, the matches Um, there's I think a couple that are probably not ones that you might pick out right away. Like, I mean, SLC Phoenix is clearly one that you're going to pay attention to two o'clock on Saturday. Um, but I think the Colorado switchbacks against San Antonio will be an interesting one to see what happens. Cause you know, San Antonio looked pretty decent um, and switchbacks win. So let's see if they're for real. Um, I think the um, Las Vegas, Nashville or Las Vegas, Sacramento game, the, the seven thirty kickoff, uh, next Saturday is going to be an interesting one to watch as well. Uh, I thought Sacramento played really well. So th- this will be, again, Our Las- was Las Vegas kind of uh, playing a little bit above where they should be um, against a, a good Sacramento team where Sacramento's on the road? I think I would look at those two. And let's see what's on Sunday. Probably do, nothing do, worth watching. Do, do, do. Atlanta, Louisville, Birmingham, Charleston Battery, yeah, nothing great in the West. Uh, but I would kind of keep my eye on those two. And then Tulsa, New Mexico is also an, an interesting matchup. And it's, again, early season. Who are the teams? Um, who are they going to be? What are they going to look like? Is New Mexico um, going to actually score a goal? Uh, was Tulsa just lucky against Sacramento? So I think those are the the four games that I'm kind of keeping my eye on in the West is that SLC Phoenix for obvious reasons. Switchback San Antonio, Tulsa, New Mexico, and Las Vegas, Sacramento, I think are the four that I'm most interested in. All right. Well, yeah, I was going to was gonna go with uh, Monarchs and Phoenix because I think that's going to be a pretty hefty beatdown from Phoenix, just given everything that's going in there. I know you said for obvious reasons, so I'll just explain those. Uh, getting knocked out in the playoffs was probably not the bright moment of the 2019 season for Phoenix and I think they're going to be out there with a vengeance and they have a very deep squad so I would expect them to rotate pretty heavily just because they can and still probably beat 
any team in the league into submission. So that's what you can do with a, a limitless pile of money in the desert, I guess, is just sign every starter from every team in the West and, and have your way. Yeah, it also seems to be a pretty well-run franchise as well. So it's not like, hey, we're gonna pile a bunch, you know, we're gonna sign a bunch of these people because we can. It's also, you know, they're they're also attracting those people to be there. Uh, I think Orange County is doing a good job with that as well. Um, just looking at the amount of people they were able to bring in um, and the youth uh, that they're able to sign, it makes it kind of attractive for other folks like that. Um, but yeah, that's gonna be gonna be interesting now is there any chance that phoenix um gets a little bit in their head and over emotional and runs themselves into some problems like being a little bit too over aggressive um and kind of runs themselves out of that match or do you think they um it doesn't matter they're gonna just kind of play with reckless abandon and not care and but still play within themselves and end up running over them you know, I think if it gets to the 70th minute and they haven't scored, it's going to get very, very chippy and someone's probably going to see red pretty quickly. Um, but no, I think they play a very attacking game. I don't think the Monarchs have any sort of response for that. So if you want to see a high-scoring game for the second week in a row, that's the game I'd watch. Um, probably not a San Diego loyal match. I'm going to stop yeah, with think... the loyal roast. I feel really bad. You've been doing the legwork on this podcast, and I'm just here talking <laughs> trash about your team. It's fine. Uh, right now, uh, I think USL Pony said, like, Phoenix is on pace for over 1,000 shots this season. Um, and I think they put 14 on frame. Um, so that's, you know, close to 500 shots over on target for the season. I mean, they shot a lot last year, and last year I think they were hitting the post a lot early, uh, but they finally figured it out. They're just a team that likes to shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot, and they always seem to find their, themselves around the 18-yard box to be able to do that. Um, so, yeah, SLC has their work cut out for them. I think that's going to be um, – they're going to have to bunker down and survive some shell shelling. Now they do have a good keeper, um, so you know you might run into a Logan Ketterer type game again where that keeper keeps you in the game. But even the Portland Timbers two keeper was actually played well. It doesn't seem like you look at the scoreline of six to one and you're like, ah, that's terrible. You know that goalkeeper must be terrible. But like you look at the actual statistics, fourteen shots on goal, and you know six go in. He made eight saves. If you have a have a team that your goalkeeper makes eight saves, you're usually not losing six to one. It's true. Okay, so we've talked a lot about Phoenix, and someone's probably going to tweet at me and tell me terrible things or call me terrible names because of it. Um, so let's let's finally move, move on. on. Yeah. Um, if you don't exist on the internet, congratulations. I'm extremely envious of you. I'd love to not know what's going on at any point. But uh, our good friend, um, Michael Seaton, did suffer a season-ending injury out in Germany, um, provided an assist over the weekend as Victoria Colon, I believe they won. That sounds right. I believe they won 2-1. came from behind. 
uh, big three points for them, but um, he did have a slight injury to a ligament uh, in the outside of his right ankle, so he'll be out for about 12 weeks, which does mean he misses the rest of the season, but he'll he'll get a nice little break, and then he'll get the preseason, and uh, I think we'll see bully season beginning back up in Germany in late summer. Um, for those of you who might also be unaware, closer to home a little bit, Joe Miko did suffer an injury uh, in preseason out in Oklahoma City. Had some surgery on his hip, and he's uh, he's getting back to things. So we wish them both the, the absolute best and quick and painless recoveries, and hopefully they're back to 100% so we can get, get some good stuff. I know they're both really missed here, so yeah. I, I always I, I felt terrible when I saw that news. Um, <laughs> swore out loud a whole bunch, and then I think swore on Twitter about it as well. <laughs> Alan. Yeah. Yes. I, I, oh, go ahead. I knew I knew it was not good news when the article's in German and it's just one really long expletive and then a shorter expletive. Um with a picture of Michael Seaton. It's like the first, if it was like one of those two, like if it was a long one, I'd be like, "Oh, I must have scored a banger." But both of them I'm like, "Oh, man. All right, Google Translate. Show me what's up." <laughs> uh yeah, you you hate to see it with anybody, but it particularly um two kind of fan favorites from last season. Um, you don't wish injuries upon anybody and you hope, you know, both of them have good speedy recoveries and that they're able to come back even stronger. Um, and I have no doubts that both of them will, uh, they're both really hardworking, uh, human beings with a great support system around them. And, um, and they know that they have a lot of people rooting for them to come back. Um, so best wishes to both of those guys. Solid. All right. Well, Random thought, Alan. What, what's what's going on for you on this Tuesday evening? What are you, what are you thinking about? Um, I'm thinking about washing my hands. Um, <clears throat> probably a good call. Yeah, there's a lot of things canceling and not canceling, and I know it has some of it is you know valid. Some of it might be a little bit um, precautionary. Um, some of it has some effects on you know people out working hard on some stuff. Um, so wash your hands and then make sure you're supporting your, you know, your small businesses, your local businesses that um, as people stop going out and, and patronizing those establishments, uh, those small businesses in your area are probably going to be affected a lot more than some of these big corporations. Um, so, you know, find the, find a small business that you can get something through um, or order something from them that you, you know, might not necessarily need, uh, but as people stop going out more, um, it's really important to these are, you know, try to help out your community because people need their livelihoods to survive. Uh, so wash your hands a lot and uh, support a small business. That sounds like one of my, uh, if you throw in a love, love each other in there, that sounds like one of my random thoughts. Uh, uh, oh, well then love each other. Yeah, there you go. Well, uh, thank, thank you, Alan. Um, Thankfully, that was not my random thought this week, and it's not even a literature recommendation. Uh-oh. So, yeah, things are going the crazy one, here at the... The one week Ray's not here. You're not yeah. doing... <laughs> it's, not, it's not great. Um, my apologies for how this podcast has gone, and, and thanks to Alan for, for carrying us through here. But uh, just a warm welcome to all of our new Scottish friends who have taken an interest in our club and our players and, uh, well, the Rangers players that are on loan here especially Cammy Palmer, who seems to be the highest rated of the three. Welcome. Thanks for listening. Um, I've had 
some great conversations with some of you, and I'm looking forward to, to some other ones. So so much to look forward to in 2020, sans coronavirus. So that's right. great. Um, and then because Ray always loves to talk about Tottenham, a uh, a rest in peace to Tottenham Hotspur, uh, FC. Uh, you can maybe Ray isn't really sick. Maybe he's like he's just distraught. He's distraught. About he that he got well. a little case of the RB Leipzig's. Yeah. Um. So maybe pour a little out, but I wouldn't because that's wasteful, and I don't think it's worth it for them. <laughs> That was right. too easy. I, I dragged Loyal the entire time, so I got to drag Tottenham <laughs> as well while my team sits on the bottom of the championship. Oh yeah. man, are we? Can we get? Could we? An, could we get an ad read from you? Because you're the man who knows what's up. Yeah. Uh, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. If you want to still support them after their decision today, uh, get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And this is a shout-out to uh, a conversation I had earlier today about some Adidas kits. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie-cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. That was beautiful. Thanks. I love your radio voice. I do my best. Yeah, well, keep it up. You get, like, slightly closer to the mic. Yeah, you lean in. Turn down the volume a little bit and drop your voice into a nice little up next on NPR. This is NPR from WBEZ Chicago. (laughs) Anyway, um, since no one really wants to listen to NPR unless you're trying to go to bed, um, we will wish you a wonderful evening if you're joining us live or a wonderful rest of your day, morning, evening, afternoon am i missing any other times i don't Um, think so lunch yeah sure why not i know some of you i had a wonderful conversation with some of you about how you ignore other people during your lunch break to listen to soccer podcasts and i i can relate alan where can people find you on the internet uh you can find me at a underwood 48 on the twitter machines you can find me dylan uh on Twitter at OCSE underscore Dylan or on Reddit slash U slash OCSE underscore Dylan. Uh, you can find Ray, who is not with us, as you probably noticed, at DJ Ray Samora on Twitter. Uh, if you have any complaints about this podcast episode, I would direct them to info at orangeandblacksoccercast.com, but please be kind because I do not have thick skin. Uh, for Ray, who is again absent with not the coronavirus, for Alan, I'm Dylan, and uh, I believe we are out. You have been listening to the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. For the latest Orange County SC news and information, visit our website, ocscpodcast.com. Also, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com.